Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Don Fabrigi is the founder and CEO of Jotful, maker of the world's easiest websites for small businesses. Previously, Don served as the head of marketing at four venture-backed software companies and taught management courses at the New School University. She's the host of the Marketing Made Easy by Jotful podcast and is currently writing a book about how solo solopreneurs and small businesses can go beyond marketing to gain sales momentum for their companies. Dawn, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Denise. Very excited to learn a little bit more about you. Now, uh, the first thing I want to start with is you told me on our pre-call that you have 50 siblings. I thought my family was huge. I have 12. So talk to me. What is that like? Oh, that is okay. So 12 is huge because were those 12 natural siblings or do you have some adopted and no, they're natural. (laughs) Okay. So that, that is huge and, and impressive. So actually when I was in the first grade, my babysitter used to run away from home and run to our house and yada, yada, yada. My parents decided to get a foster care license so that they could take her in. And we, you know, lived in the country. We had a very big house. We could hold a lot of children. So my parents were licensed for eight children. They had four of their own. So we could take four foster kids and lo and behold, we were full all the time. And, you know, I think they had originally planned to just have the one, (laughs) the babysitter, and we were just full all the time. So we always had this house of eight children, you know, mostly, you know, us and foster kids. And then very often we would have um, exchange because our parents wanted to expose us to other, you know, other nationalities. And so it was just this boisterous house. And I used to laugh at, I would go to other kids' houses for sleepovers and just find them to be so boring. I'm sure you had the same thing, Denise, with 12 kids. You go to a sleepover, someone else's house and you're like, wow, it's like crickets over here. Actually, I was the quiet person. So going to somebody else's house was like a, a relief for me. Oh yeah, it was like a vacation for you. It, it was, it was. But that sounds... That sounds so exciting. And and you must have learned a lot of stuff from that exposure to all those different cultures and just different people and styles. Absolutely. I think, um, I think it's a reason why we're all very good at cocktail parties. We can very quickly find rapport with anyone. Yeah, I suspect that is good. And I suspect that that has helped you in business in, in how you relate and talk to people. Mm, Definitely. It allows you to it allows you to really empathize with other people and really sort of start to understand what it is that they go through. And I think, you know, that was actually a really big um, foundational element for the company that I ultimately founded was the fact that we were able to empathize with our customer base in the way that a lot of other technology entrepreneurs were not. Ah, okay. And technology is one of the things we like to talk about on the show. And it is interesting how empathy and technology don't always connect. So tell me about Jotful. Yeah. So, so what we do at Jotful is we help small business owners make and manage their websites. We like to say that we're the easiest way for a small business to get a website. And, you know, our customers are really very small businesses or solopreneurs. So typically companies with fewer than five employees, many, many of our customers are self-employed. And, you know, the challenge they were facing was that they could, when they needed a website, which they all do, certainly 
that, that question is off the table at this point, right? Everybody needs a website, right? Um, they could hire a designer or an agency to build one for them, but you know, they were getting quoted $5,000 or more, which is just wholly unaffordable for most small businesses. And the alternative is that they could build their own website using some of the website builder software that's out there, all that do-it-yourself software like Wix or Squarespace or whatever. But but for most business owners, they just they don't want to build their own website. They're not, they don't have the time to do it, frankly, because they're doing a million other things. They're not confident that they have the combination of technical marketing and design skills you need to actually build a website that will be effective for your business and do something beyond merely just exist, right? And this is where the the disconnect is in the technology industry is a lot of people in software thought, well, if we give people the ability to build their own website, they'll just do it, right? And that's just not the case. And a lot of business owners, you know, they it, it's not that they're it's not that they're Luddites, it's not that they're not perfectly capable from a technology perspective, it's that they don't want to do this and they don't have the time to do this, and they have other things to do in their business because they're doing so many other things. I would agree with that. I, I know when I my first company that I started, it was actually a cleaning company more than 20 years ago. And I built my first website. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it had. It was a glorified business card. It was not attractive in the least. Um, yep. and, and and so from that point forward, and I understand the technology, but I don't. I'm not necessarily a designer. Right. So yep. you know, it, it's it's. I, I get what you're saying, and and so that is a challenge for a lot of small business owners is that they put something up that they're kind of only halfway pleased with, mm-hmm. or it doesn't function the way they really need it to. So, so tell yeah. me a little bit about, tell me a little bit, go, go a little bit deeper. Can you give me an example of a client who has built something? You don't have to tell me who they are, but you know, just the industry who, who has built something and how that specifically works for their industry. Yeah. So, so for you first to your, to your point, um, it's funny. I just talked to, uh, sales prospect last week. I think there'll be a customer soon, but he had built a website a year ago. And so he came up on the one, one year renewal of the website. And I said, Oh, why are you looking to switch to us? And he said, I was so embarrassed by what I built. I never told anybody about it. <laughs> so <laughs> It existed. It was there, but he never put it on his business card. He never put it in his email signature. He literally never told anybody about it. And so there was almost no point in having it. Right. Um, so we, we definitely see that a lot. Well, what, what we do at Jotful is we take content from the customer. So we take all of the images and all the text they want to use on their website and we assemble it for them. And then we handle all the technical stuff on an ongoing basis. So all the security, all the hosting, and we help update it on an ongoing basis. So, so that's what we do. Um, and, you know, we see customers come into us and say, you know, we, we didn't have a website before. And so, you know, we were just losing out on business. People would search and, and they wouldn't find us or we would meet people somewhere, but then they would go to find us afterwards and we didn't exist. And, you know, that's, it's really who we're trying to help. We really feel like we're kind of democratizing website ownership for very small businesses. And so I believe that you do handle some automation for clients. Is that not correct? Because, you know, in our pre-conversation, we talked a lot about getting past the stage of networking. So I might mm-hmm. be wrong about that, but can you explain a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So 
It's funny because Jotful itself is also an early stage business and we've, we've been growing. And so a lot of the challenges that we have faced in our own business parallel the challenges that our customers face, right? And I know when you read the bio, you said that I'm writing a book on this topic and I absolutely am, partly for our own interest and partly because we just have all of these stories now from our customers who face similar issues. But basically people are just worn out from, from hustling for leads all the time going to all of these networking events, which are very time consuming. And then during the pandemic, you're sort of thrown off by the virtual events, which nobody actually really wants to attend. Um, All of which is to, you know, get a lead here or get a lead there. And the value of those networking groups uh, very quickly goes to zero because you've gotten all the leads you can get in the group, but you're sort of obligated to provide more leads to all the other people in the group. And people just hate this game of networking all the time. And they also want to have just just a reliable way to generate new customers. And for a lot of business owners, that gap is huge. You know, how do we get to a place where we can reliably generate new customers? And so that is, you know, the research that I've been doing to the book. And I've been talking to customers about this and as well as other business owners about what, what they have done. And, you know, we've really sort of come down to the place where in the beginning, you you have to do these one-off things. You have to go to these networking groups. Maybe you do an event here or there because you need a few spurts of customers just so you can learn about what works, what about your product or service works, what what customers are the best customers for you, what's the best niche for you to target, what messaging or language works. Like You need to understand basically your niche, your offer, and your message. And you get all of that from all that one-off stuff that you do in the beginning. And then you'll start to get some word of mouth, right? So you get a little bit of virality because those customers will refer you out. But that's the moment when you really need to start to find your growth engine. So you really need to figure out how is it that we can start to, you know, reliably, predictably generate new customers for the long term. And can you give me a little bit more insight on how that how that is accomplished through Jotful? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what we do at At Jotful is we build the website, right? But then we expose people to a lot of the vendors that can help them with this other stuff. So we're not just the company that makes the website. We also connect you with other vendors like SEO vendors, um, logo designers, copywriters, email marketers, social media marketers, and all of this. And we just make those connections on behalf of all of our customers. And ultimately, what our customers are really trying to do is figure out which channel is going to be the one through which they can grow. And when you think about it, Denise, there are only so many different ways that you can stumble across a new business, right? You can um, find out about them when you're, you know, you're watching TV and you're sort of interrupted by a commercial. You can, you know, walk past them on the street. You can hear about them from a friend, right? There are only so many different ways you can find out about a new business. And as a result, there are really only five different possible growth engines for a business. And they are advertising, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's offline advertising, television advertising, online advertising, advertising is certainly one way. Another is content marketing. So this is where, you know, you're making content, you're distributing it maybe through social media, maybe through your blog, through a podcast, right? You're publishing content. People are finding out about you through those distribution channels and coming back to you. 
Another way is virality. Um, we would all love if our businesses grew exclusively <laughs> through virality because it's the cheapest, right? It's, it's word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. But most businesses don't ultimately grow through virality. It's very hard to achieve. Yes, it is. And, you know, all of these different growth engines have different attributes, right? And one of the most troubling attributes of virality is you have no control over it. Mm-hmm. Unlike advertising, where you know I could put X dollars in and get Y customers out of this ad machine, with virality, you just have no control and you have all of these spikes and you can't sort of plan your growth. Um, The other two are partnerships and sales. So let me give you an example of partnerships. Um, For the book, I talked to this company uh, based out of Africa. And they do pharmaceutical financing. So basically helping... um, doctors purchase the prescriptions that they need. And they were going directly to, to doctors. And so they were, you know, really feet on the street, going out to all these doctors, the doctors would just close the door on them, didn't want to speak to them. They were trying to go directly through sales. And then they realized, wait a minute, all of these doctors are going through the same pharmaceutical distributors. If we strike a partnership with a distributor, we can access our ultimate market. Right. And that's Ah. ultimately, yeah, that's ultimately what they did is they struck a, you know, a deal with this pharmaceutical distributor and they were able to reach all of these doctors. All of a sudden, all the doctors doors are open because they're coming with the credibility of that partnership. Um, And then the last way is, is sales. And that's really sort of the the feet on the street um, method or or feet on the street or calling, right. Dialing. Um, So those are really the five ways, advertising, content, marketing, morality, partnerships, and sales. And like I said, all of them have different attributes, right? So some of them you can grow to be really big and others you can't. So imagine if you buy a, an ad on a billboard, the entire size of your possible you know, customer base could be the number of cars that drive by that billboard <laughs> that fit into your target market. That's obviously much smaller than if you're buying advertising from say Google, right? Right. Um, so all of these have d- different ceilings. They also have different durations. When you think about it, if you publish something, if you publish a, this pod episode, right, mm-hmm. is going to be on all the different podcast distribution networks forever or for as long as, you know, you and I are around, Denise. <laughs> and that's very different from an ad where it gets, it gets seen, especially digital ad, it gets seen once and then it's gone. Advertising is very ephemeral, whereas something like content marketing, like podcasting or the blog posts that you publish and so forth is more evergreen. Um, channels have different stability. This is something that I think a lot of business owners um, worry about is that they're going to invest a lot in acquiring followers, for example, on a social media channel like TikTok. And then what happens if it goes the way of MySpace, right? (laughs) Um, You need to think about, you know, how stable is that channel? Is it going to be there for the long run? How much do you want to invest in building an audience on that that channel? Um, There's also the cost structure. So some of these costs are fixed and some of them are variable. One of the brilliant things about digital advertising is it's variable, right? You're paying per click. Um, if you can work it out, maybe you're paying per customer. Uh, partnerships and um, are often per customer as well. Sales reps, sometimes you can only commission on the deals, right? So you can make the, the cost structure as variable as possible. Some other things are fixed. Doesn't, you know, if you are publishing 
content, there's a cost to make that content. Um, You're probably going to have to hire a copywriter. Maybe you need, for example, an editor for audio or video. That's a fixed cost. And it could be a while before you make back the return on that investment. Um, And then there's the, the time to cash. So some things are more instantaneous. Some things take a lot longer. Um, just think about, you know, whether or not through that channel, whether or not there's a delay and how long it takes you to actually get paid. And then uh, lastly, you know, there's the the cost to get started. So some of these are just really expensive. Um, And I can give you an example with Jotful. Uh, I'll just talk you a little bit through the process. But one of the things we did early on was that we would go to these events. So I would speak at events and usually the topic was how to get your small business online. And I would say, look, there are three ways you can get your business, your business online. You can hire an agency or, or a designer to do it for you. You can do it yourself using website builder software, or you can hire Jotful, which is really a do it together solution. You give us the content, we handle all the technical stuff. So those are the three different ways. And ultimately, every time I would speak at one of these conferences, we would get some customers because some of them would say, actually, Jotful is the right solution for us. And can, you know, can we talk? And others would say, you know, website builder is the right solution. Can you recommend one? Right. And we would do that. So when, um, when the pandemic happened and all of these events were canceled, I thought, well, is there a way we can convert this thing that we knows we know works well in this one channel, this event channel, this content, and do it on as video? So we started creating these video events, and then we took it to the next level and said, what if we, you know, recorded this video and published it as a YouTube ad? So we started doing that, and then we started seeing that we were consistently getting customers this way, expensively. My goodness, they were costly. Um, yeah, Google but and we, YouTube are not cheap. <laughs> no, no, and and especially you know if you're doing something like YouTube, there's the cost to produce the ad in the first place, which is yes. the high bar that a lot of people have to get over. Um, but we were able to figure out over time how to bring the media costs down. Right, so. Mm-hmm now we can very affordably acquire customers through YouTube. And so, you know, think about whether or not, you know, these channels are expensive or cheap. Buying a billboard is obviously a lot more expensive than buying an ad in the, you know, your high school um, basketball program. Definitely a huge cost difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's interesting, those five growth channels that your growth engines that you talked about, my company relies very heavily on the content marketing and the partnerships. And Mm -hmm. one interesting return on investment that we have found is when we are looking for employees for our team members, that content marketing people, I have had numerous applicants say, I wanted to work here because I saw your podcast. I heard how yes. you talk with folks. You know, I heard what your business does and what you're all about. Mm-hmm. So, so they have a sense of the business already coming in. And quite frankly, with as hard, challenging as it is to find talent right now, that has been valuable. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, whenever you're thinking about marketing, you should be thinking about all of the stakeholders. So obviously you want to acquire customers, but oftentimes you also want to acquire acquire employees (laughs) and you may also want to reach out to investors, right? So those are all very different audiences. And we, Mm -hmm. we do, um, we do publish content 
that is specifically meant to reach those different audiences. So for example, tomorrow we're participating in an event um, it's called Tech Trek, and it's a, it's a big deal here where we live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we know that there are going to be a lot of job seekers in the technology industry at this event. So we decided to build the event primarily around, um, around job seekers, around job candidates. And I think, you know, with every marketing piece, you have to decide which is the primary audience we want to reach. Because if you, if you try to reach more than one audience, you're just going to end up with kind of a jumbled up mess. It's a mud puddle at that point. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. um, t- I want to take just a minute before we finish up here for you to talk about your book. So you briefly touched on it on, on, on the stories. Can you give me maybe just like a sneak peek at one of the stories? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I think that this is a great one. Um, he there's this guy who produces bath and body products. And, um, and he has an, he has an interesting backstory, um, in that he, he used to, um, he used to be a sex worker and then he sort of transitioned into this kind of like on the side, right. Producing these bath and and body products. And he has this really, really deep connection with his audience. I mean, his, his content is so, so, so niche. I mean, if you read it, Denise, you might look at it and say, this is not for me. In fact, his product descriptions say, you know who you are, (laughs) right? (laughs) They very specifically speak the language of a very, very distinct market. Um, I'm not in that target market. I don't think you are either, Denise, but if you are, you just, you just really want it because it's really, you kind of feel like you're part of a tribe, right? And when I talked to him about the book and it was actually a professor um, that we know in common who recommended I, that I speak with him because he'd been growing like crazy in the past couple of years. And I talked to him and he said, oh, I've never done any marketing. And I said, you haven't. Well, how is it that you're scaling so rapidly? And then we, he started talking and I just listened to him and realized that he was just this um, innate marketer. And that when he was talking about marketing, what he meant is we've never done any advertising, right? A right. lot of people, a lot of people confuse those two terms, but his marketing is brilliant. The product descriptions are unbelievable and absolutely connect with the, with the market. He uses that like really distinct, you know, his, his real distinctiveness. He uses it to secure a bunch of PR coverage. So he's contacting journalists and getting publicity all the time, right? And he's really smart. So he's also playing off of other things that are happening, like uh, social movements that are happening. He's like building on top of them to get press coverage. And then the other thing he does is sampling. So he takes samples of his products. He sends them out to um, to influencers, right? And then they end up writing about his products. And this is how he ends up getting all of his customers. And so I'm listening to him describe this really professional marketing program that he has running and hearing him say that they've never done any marketing. Um, (laughs) I I thought that that was really brilliant. And I think that a lot of people associate marketing with advertising and that that's not Mm -hmm. ultimately what it is. And that having that foundation of having a very specific niche that you can very clearly message, you know, a compelling offer to is ultimately what's going to lead you, lead you to success. Absolutely. Just in that description, I heard content marketing, virality, as well as partnerships. So yes, <laughs> he's doing all of them. And you know, the, the thing is like, 
rarely is there one growth channel that's going to be, you know, the, the winner for you. Usually it's going to be, you're going to double down on a couple of different things, right? And I can tell you at Joffle, we do that both in content marketing as well as in advertising. So we're really focused in those two areas. And, you know, you want to do that because you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket, but you also want to not cover every single channel because you don't have the time um, or the bandwidth or the cash to do that, right? So um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's just kind of nailed it. Yeah, and that's that's a nice story. I like that. So be, before we cut off for the day, how can people find you? Yeah, so if you want to learn more about Jotful, you can go to jotful.com. That's J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. But if you want to learn more about um, the, the book that I'm writing and more specifically about how various business owners have found their growth engine, what that process look process look like, how long it took, what it felt like to go through that process, and just some tips and tricks. I publish a podcast called Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. And every week we interview a different business owner and we learn about the path that they went through. So it's really inspiring. And you walk away with some um, good ideas and things you can try in your own business right away. Okay. So jotful.com, J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. And then your podcast, Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. Yep. Wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I will make sure those two items are in our show notes as well. Don, you have been a great guest. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Denise. Really happy to be here. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.